Hey, this is Pastor Jesse of City Lights Church, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. We hope that it inspires you and confirms the fact that the kingdom of God is a present reality in our lives that you get to live out. You get to be God's ambassador of the kingdom of heaven. That's exciting news. We also hope that our messages challenge your identity to help you understand who you really are in Christ. I hope that you're blessed by this message today. So I was with my wife and the kids yesterday. We were driving back, and um, we are, my wife and I, we were born in the 80s, but we're really children of the 90s and early 2000s. Like, that was like when we were teenagers, and we were cool at that time. Sorry, Ash, you're still cool. I know, I knew she was in. She's still cool. I'm not as cool. Um, but we, we were driving yesterday, and uh, her car has Sirius XM radio, right? And there's a station that's like all 90s and early 2000s stuff. And a song came on as we were driving home last night, and it was this old R&B song where they just say, what's love got to do with it? Got to do, got to do with it, <laughs> right? And the response by the female vocalist, it should be about us, it should be about trust, and I'm listening to the lyrics, and I'm like, what in the world are they even saying? Like, what, what, what is this definition of love that this song is trying to relay? The truth is, like, if we look at any form of media, like, so much of the media and social expression are searching for definitions of love, right? That, like, love is, like, the number one seller, right? It's, it's out there. I remember a movie from back in the 70s, I believe, I think it was called Love Story, I could be getting this wrong, where the quote from that movie was, love means never having to say you're sorry. What a load of garbage, personally. So if, if you love someone, you'll never hurt them, ever? Like you'll never have to say you're sorry? Okay, that's the definition of love. Love means never doing anything ever bad, okay? I once had a guy uh, meet with me, talk through some issues, a young guy, and he sits down with me, and he's like, hey, I got to tell you something. I'm like, yeah. He's like, so my coworker and I were hanging out, and she invited me to her apartment, and next thing you know, it gets a little carried away, and, and I knew it was leading to sex, but before sex, I thought we should pray and ask the Lord to be with us here, <laughs> and uh, so we prayed, and then we, we had sex, and I felt really bad, so I'm just confessing to you, I feel bad because... I'm thinking, because you had sex and you weren't married and you somehow thought God would be like, yeah, if I pray, cool, go for it, right? That's good. He's like, because I didn't tell her I love her first. I'm like, do you love her? Well, no, I don't love her. I'm really lost in this right now. Like, I don't know what you want me to say. Like, you should have lied and told her you love her, like, even though you don't know what, like, how many times have we, like, maybe some of you parents who have teenagers or have had teenagers have had your daughter be like, you don't even know, Mom, but I love him, right? You know what I'm talking about? Like, I just love him. And meanwhile, they can barely tie their shoes, you know? And they think they know what love is, right? I, I had this uh, friend in high school. I remember being in high school, and we went to a Christian school, and my buddy, he was the worship leader. And I found out this other girl, like, was convinced that not only did she love him, but he loved her back. And when asked, hey, why do you know? How do you know that he loves you? Because he was playing worship the other day in, in school. We had chapel. And when he was singing that song, he made eye contact with me. Because he opened his eyes while he was singing to the Lord, you got the information that he loves you. You don't have a clue what love is. 
He was singing to Jesus, right? Well, I told my friend this. I'm like, hey, she said you made eye contact. He's like, I did? I don't even remember. I didn't know she was there. Like, what are you talking about? Like, we thought it was hilarious. Anyway, teenage stuff. Like, how many of you guys have been through that? Where you think you know what love is, and then you realize later, thank the Lord that I didn't know what love is, because that was terrible, right? That was, that was a disaster waiting to happen. Some of you guys are not being honest with me right now. Like, you have lived through this. I have lived through this, where I thought I knew what love is. And the truth is, it's not even close to romantic love. In the scriptures itself, it's kind of hard to define love, because when we read our Bibles, we get the word love. That's it. In the Greek, there's multiple words for love. There's phileo, there's eros, there's agape love. Even the passage, this is a funny story, and I'm not, this is not my message this morning, but at the end of John, John chapter 21, I think it is, This is after Jesus has been crucified. Peter has denied Jesus. He's been resurrected. And he's walking, and literally, he's probably walking where they're at in this text. He's walking on the beach with Peter. Like, this is the perfect romance scenario, right? Walking on the beach. So Jesus is taking a long walk on the beach with Peter. And Jesus says, Peter, do you agape me? Do you agape me? And Peter goes, Lord, you know I phileo you. Which is like saying... Jesus is like, hey, Peter, do you love me? And Peter goes, Jesus, I love you, bro. I love you. I got, I got phileo, brotherly love for you. And Jesus goes, Peter, do you love me? And Jesus says, Peter goes, I phileo. You know I phileo. And Jesus is like, but Peter, do you phileo me? Jesus finally consents to his form of love at the end. It's a funny story. We don't understand the depths of love, right? Even in the Greek, there's multiple words for different styles and understandings of love. I want this morning, I want us to look at love, and I want you to see what true love looks like as the best as I can get into it through the text, through the scripture, in about half an hour. So I cannot fully give you the definition of love, but I'm going to try to today. Does that make sense? We, we are, this culture, our culture searches for true love, and it consumes every area of our cultural emphasis. It's in everything. This morning, I want to scratch the surface of biblical understanding of what love is birthed out of your new identity in Christ. We've been walking through this series, your new identity. Who are you in Christ? When you understand who God is, what does that do to love? Who are you? This morning, I want you to know that your true identity is love. If you're in Christ, your identity is love. So you should know what it means. John chapter 14, verse 20, it says this. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. I want to point out a few things in this, this passage. Jesus is teaching. This is, this is right before he's about to go to the cross. This is his last conversation with the disciples. Judas has left the room already. He's with the disciples. And he says, I want you to know this. That in that day you will know. That day that he's referring to. That day that they will know that the Father is in him and he is in, the, in us. That day that we will be confirmed of this fact is the day the Holy Spirit arrives. How many of you guys know that the Holy Spirit has already arrived, right? It's called the day of Pentecost. It happened. So we live in the day that we should know that God is in Jesus and Jesus is in us. That we abide in him. Make sense? And that if you keep my my commandments, 
he it is who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So he says, if you want to, in that day, you will know that the Father is in you, and if you keep my commandments, you'll see that love manifest. You'll see the Father manifest in your life. Anybody want to see the Father manifest in you? Just curious. Like, that's a good thing, right? Our identity is love because he is in us, and Scripture says that he is love, right? I talk about this all the time because it's important. God does not have love. It's not a quality that he carries a little bit of, but he is the definition of love. He is perfect love. God himself is love, and he abides in us. And that should be confirmed because the Holy Spirit lives in us, right? So my identity, who I am now, what's inside of me, the definition of me is now love because the Father lives in me. He abides in me. Our identity is love because he is in us and he is love. If we love him, though, it says what? We'll do what he says to do. If we love him, we'll keep his commandments. That sounds super like weird to most of us with our American like self-centered perspectives. Well, that doesn't sound very loving. So you're only going to love me if you do what he says? Like, that seems not fair, right? That seems like a kind of works-based love. Well, what does God want us to do? What is God's commandments? What, what, is, what does it look like to, to abide in Christ, to receive his love, and to do his commandments? And if we do his commandments, we receive his love. What does this look like, this circle almost? What does that really look like? Go to John chapter 15, the very next part of this conversation with the disciples. We'll start in verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. First off, let me just pause there for a second before we continue. Do you see how that starts? As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in love. Abide in my love. Jesus says to his disciples the same way that the holy, perfect Father, who is without fault, is righteous, has loved his righteous Son, who has fulfilled all Scripture, who is the only Son of God, who is the only good Father, right? The same way that the Father has loved his perfect Son, the one that God says, in you, in him I am well pleased, right? Like that, that's the same son. That kind of loving relationship. They didn't have no like awkward teenage years where like, you know, the son was kind of rebellious and like they put a strain on the relationship and there was this awkward tension. There was none of that. Perfect relationship. I and him, him and me, right? That same way the father has loved me. That he has loved us. The same as the Father's loved me, so I love you. Jesus has loved you the same way the Father has loved him. Nobody else is getting this this morning. That's insane. Like, you know your faults, right? This is not even my message this morning. You know your issues. And Jesus says, I love you the same way that God loves me, and I don't have any issues. I don't got any. That's the same kind of love I'm giving to you, so now abide in it. Keep moving, because some of you guys aren't excited this morning about this. These things, he he says this, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. 
These things I have spoken to you that your joy may be, fu- may be in you, that your joy may be full. That my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. When you fulfill the commandments that God has for you, when you abide in Him, when you fulfill the commandments He has for you, our joy is full. Now, if I say to my daughters, go wash the dishes, they're like, oh, are you serious, Dad? And they're over at the sink. Typically, when they're at the sink, they're not whistling because they're excited. They're not like, Dad, I'm doing what you asked me to do. My joy tank is full. How happy are we? Excited. High five, sister. No. That's typically when they start to argue, right, Ash? They're in the kitchen arguing with each other, pinching each other. Tears are coming down. Why? Because I told them to do the dishes. So we, we think that commandments lead to like some form of like awkward pain and sacrifice. Jesus says, if you keep my commandments, your joy tank will be through the roof. If you do what I ask you to do, your tank of joy is full. So what does Jesus ask us to do? Are you guys traveling with me here this morning? Have you ever been around somebody who's like super joyful and happy when you're not? Like when you're in a bad mood, like that day is the worst day ever. And like they're like Mr. Sunshine or Mrs. Sunshine. They're the enemy, aren't they? Like... Like, they're so full of joy, and you are in a negative place, and you want them, you think it's right for them to be in a negative place as well. Like, I mean, this happens with Ashley and I sometimes in the car. I don't vocalize this. Go ahead and shut your ears for a second, babe, please. Um, but, like, I'll be driving, and I'm in a bad mood about something. Like, I'm, I'm stoic. She's like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. And then she gets in, like, the greatest mood, and she's in the car beside me, and I want her to be mad because I'm mad about something. And she's, like, whistling and being silly, like, one of the top qualities about my wife is her silliness. Like, she can be so silly to where it gets me to be uncomfortable, but I love it. It's her personality, right? And so she'll be silly in the car while I'm angry. But it's because there's something wrong in me that I can't share in her joy. Why? Why can't I share in her joy? Because in that moment, I'm not keeping his commandments. So I can't receive her joy. I can't, I can't understand her joy. I can't understand because there's something broken in here. So what is the commandments here? Verse 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for servants does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. What is the commandment of God? What is, so if we follow his commandments, we receive his love, we abide in his love, and if we love him, we keep his commandments. What is his commandment? that we love. His commandment for us is to love people. So if we are living in a place of love, and he says the greatest love is that you would lay down your life for your friends. 
Jesus is not asking you to do something he didn't do himself. He lays down his life for his disciples. He lays down his life for you. He says, you want to see the perfect model of joy? You want to see the perfect model of abiding in Christ? You want to see the perfect model of experiencing the Father in you? Is to completely forget yourself. Die to yourself for others. Completely love somebody else. That means that your rights aren't your rights. That your life, your flesh and blood does not have value because you see the eternal value in somebody else. You die to yourself. The commandments not go and do this and dip in that river and, and keep this festival and don't keep that festival. The commandments is simply to love, love, love. When, when, they're asked, when Jesus is asked, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second's like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. When this holds all the law and the prophets. If you look at the Ten Commandments, God gives man Ten Commandments. Man decides to make a bazillion, right? That's what we do. God gives ten. And if you look at those ten, it's all about loving God and loving people. And if you do that sacrificially, without any kind of worry about yourself because your life is not your own, your joy tank will be through the roof because you know who you are in him. You know that these temporal afflictions don't really matter. And what really matters is that you are his son. You are his daughter. You have eternal value in heaven and here on the earth. So if somebody comes at me with swords and spears and words and accusations, it doesn't matter. I can love them. Jesus tells us to love our enemies. He says anybody can love a friend. But can you love your enemy? And I can only love my enemy, I can only abide in Christ if I know that my physical pride, my body, all these things that I tend to take and hold on to don't really matter. If I lay my life down for them, if I lay my pride down for them, then my joy tank will be through the roof. So what you say cannot hurt me. Sticks and stones will break my bones. Your words can never hurt me because I know who I am in Christ. That doesn't mean I don't want to fix the relationship. It doesn't mean I don't want to express myself. It doesn't mean I play the victim card all the time, right? He has loved us by counting his life, our lives, as higher value than his own. To know the plans of the Father means knowing and living in sacrificial love. Jesus says, if you abide, if you keep my commandments to love one another, I don't call you servants. I call you friends. And friends know the will of the Father. What is the will of the Father? To love people. To express His amazing grace. His unexplainable love that we will never fully search out the depths of. I fully believe that all of eternity will be us discovering new aspects, new glimpses of the Father's love for us. It's it's unfathomable, it's unsearchable, it's so deep, so vast, you will never fully get it. And we'll spend all of our existence experiencing the love of the Father. And he says, why don't you partner with this and start doing it now? Start living that out, modeling that. You guys still with me this morning? All the commands of God is to love him and love others as yourself. I want to say something about that. Loving yourself does not mean that you don't see areas in your life that you want to change. That's not what I'm saying. It means recognizing the deep value that you carry regardless of those things. Like, you might have things you want to change about yourself. That's okay. But can you still love yourself the way he has loved you? Because if you don't do that, 
you can't love others the way he loves you. And you will not know his deep love if you don't understand that he has vast love for you. Does it make sense? It doesn't mean you don't want to change. I mean, of course, like, we just went hiking yesterday. I realized, yeah, before our big hike, I needed to lose some pounds, right? It doesn't mean I hate myself. It means I need to get to the gym on, on Monday, right? It's, it's not a devaluing of me. It's an understanding. There are areas in my life that I need the Lord to take over. There are struggles and habits that I need to surrender, but I still love myself because he's loved me eternally. My value is not in those things. My value is in who I am in Christ. Make sense? So I can love myself, and when I love myself, I can see beyond your faults too because you got faults. Not that I've been paying attention. You do. And I, see, I have to see beyond that. I have to love you through that. So what is love? Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You guys knew that because you've been to a wedding before. Good news, I'm ahead of schedule, so I'm going to add some stuff to my message real quick. <laughs> Kidding. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I want to challenge you that when Paul wrote these words, he was not thinking, hey, you know, Steve, he's getting married next month. We should probably write about love. Because <laughs> that's not the same, like, eros, romantic love is not what this love is. Like, it's, it's a part of the marriage. And absolutely, I, I literally just use this at the wedding. Because we need to understand, if we're going to be married happily, we need to understand what love looks like, right? But this love here is not just for married couples or dating couples, not just for buddies. It's, it's, it's for love. It's agape love. It's deep commitment, caring, deep caring, sacrificial love for each other. Verse 4, we'll start there. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoings, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. 1 Corinthians really digs deeper into that, but I, I want to focus on just those few verses this morning with the time that we have. There's a few things in here, and we, we could really spend a whole month talking on those couple of verses. Mike said it last week, if we find something in ourselves that's not in God, then we have a problem, right? And when I look at this passage and I see that God is love, and I see this is the character of God, and I can look at situations of my own life and be like, yeah, that's not me. So that's when not condemnation, but the Holy Spirit stirring something in me says, I want to renew my mind so that I can live this out. I need to abide in Christ so that I can actually model this, right? Because abiding in Christ means living this out. It says not easily angered. Do you guys remember a few weeks ago when I talked about a certain situation with a construction worker? I still, I, I briefly told John about that this morning. I still have to repent in John, to John Amari. But I was with their son to be a mentor and I'm yelling out the window at a construction worker because he yelled at me. Love is not easily angered. It's patient and kind. It's not envy or boast. It's not arrogant. 
So I remember that construction worker, and I know that I'm, uh, Scripture says that I'm an ambassador for Christ, right? I'm an ambassador of, ambassadors of what? Reconciliation. That means making relationship with humanity and God right. Bringing them together. And I did a pretty bad job at doing that that day. That guy saw my Lancaster Bible bumper sticker and heard my angry, aggressive tone telling him to get a different job because he was terrible at his and telling him how to do his job. And he did not see an ambassador of reconciliation, right? Now, I'm saying that not because I'm condemned, but because the Holy Spirit's convicting. There's an area where I did not live out love. And so there's an area where I'm not abiding in Christ. Does that make sense? Even though I'm not condemned, I am challenged because I have to examine these areas of idolatry in my heart and renew my mind. Now, you can look through that whole list, patience, kindness. Thankfully, our girls are are, they're in a, a private school right now, and they because classes are small, they do a ceremony, and everybody gets an award. And each kid in each class gets a different award. And both classes, are, both of our daughters both got the kindness award. I'm thankful for that. I don't know where that's at when they wash dishes, but they got the, thank, the kindness award, right? I want to see that kind of love, love is kind, be modeled in my life to where they model it in theirs. That makes sense? Because when they see me, when they see Ashley, they should see the Father in me. Because he abides in me. Not because of works I've done, but because of works he's done. But when I abide in him, it's evident. It's made manifest. Love pours out. So if I know my true identity, my identity is love. And then they are able to see that. They are able to model that. Make sense? It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful does not rejoice at wrongdoings, but rejoices with the truth. When I said earlier, you don't have to be a doormat to be loved. We've, we've got a culture that thinks that Christianity is not loving because there's like standards. That's not the truth. Now, there are people who have standards in faith completely can bring it out with hostility, right? Like the Crusades were a major problem. What is that? Westboro Baptist. That's a major problem. We are to be people who model love, but we also model truth. We rejoice when God's truth wins out. So we speak for truth, but we do it in a way that we consider our lives and our pride and our information not our own. It's all his. So we're just going to be a mouthpiece for heaven. That's what we are. Make sense? So we rejoice when the truth of God's word penetrates somebody's heart and they begin to live it out as well. We rejoice in that. It's not about winning an argument. It's about rejoicing when the kingdom is received. When it's not, we walk in love anyway. We continue to walk in love because we don't hold record of wrongs. If your love is keeping record of wrongs, and I know you guys have been hurt, wounded in some traumatic ways, but if your love is keeping a record of wrong, you are not walking in love. How can you not love the worst in your eyes when your sins made you the worst in his eyes and still he loved you to the point of death on the cross? When you were alienated and hostile, he still came for you, right? So how can I, if I am 
if I am that same kind of love, view the person who's my enemy, quote-unquote, and not view them with love and come after them with love and lay my life down for them. This is, uh, this, is, this is difficult, but it's what happens when you abide in your true identity. When you know that your value doesn't come from acceptance or doesn't come from all these like, things that the world wants to make a successful life, riches, health, fame, whatever, when it doesn't come from that, it simply comes from being his vessel and walking in obedience, trusting that he is good and he's got eternity mapped out for you and it's beautiful, then you have to walk in love. And the walk in a love that says, I don't count your sins against you any longer. I'm going to show you love. I'm going to respond to your junk in love. What does that look like? How would the world be changed if we began to live that way? This is scandalous. This is, this is confusing. This is difficult. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying it's incredibly difficult unless we're abiding in our identity, unless we're abiding in Him, unless we're living in His love. You guys are still with me this morning. Keeps no record of wrong. Without understanding your identity in Christ, without abiding in Him, you will always be living out vain attempts to give and receive love. They'll always be futile. They'll always be falling apart. You will always be trying to love from the flesh rather than from the Spirit. From the Spirit of God inside of you. We're called to live, out by, live our lives by the Spirit, not by the flesh. So if your response to a situation, so your, your boss throws you under the rug for something, your wife is rude to you, husbands are rude to, your, to you, wives, whatever, it's not just wives who are rude. Mine's awesome. She's great. Anyway, whatever that situation is, right, how do I respond back? Do I respond by saying, this is where you're wrong, you're an idiot, you don't know what you're talking about, these are my rights, or do I respond by speaking the truth in love? Whatever that looks like. It does, speaking the truth in love is not an excuse to say whatever comes to your mind, right? We sometimes got we to ask the Lord, give me the right words at the right time. Because there have been times where I wanted to tell certain family members, not my wife, something that I know is truth. And my wife looked at me and said, we need to walk in love right now. Let's not say anything yet. And thankfully the Lord brought reconciliation because I kept my mouth shut. Right? Some of y'all need to keep your mouth shut sometimes. Walk in love. Our faith is built in true love. The Christian faith is not about rules. It's about walking in love. God is love, and he has put his spirit in us so that we can be that for others. Love does not seek its own. It's not selfish. To fully be who we are meant to be, we must abide in sacrificial love. Let me give you one more story. Worship team, if you come forward. And so if I'm walking in love, I can't let fear take a hold of my mind, right? So I gave you an example of me a few weeks ago, not walking in love, being aggression and hostility toward that construction worker. Even though I know that's a tough job and I've done it before, I had no compassion, just anger, pride, resentment, the whole thing came out. This last week I've been asking the Lord, let me walk in love. Let me abide in love. I want to be love. And so Friday I'm, I'm in the office and uh, I needed to get lunch, so I ordered some wings from some Mario's across the street over here. Delicious food, by the way. And I walk over to get it, and I'm standing there, and the girl comes up to the counter. She takes my, pay, uh, takes my order and stuff, 
and she had to walk back to the kitchen for something. I noticed as she was walking back to the kitchen, she went like this, put her hand like on her back, and I instantly, like, she's got back problems. I need to pray for her. Like, I have to do this. Which, if you know me, like, even though I speak on being the gospel everywhere, that's hard for me to get out of my comfort zone in public and say, let me just pray for you. Like, it's, it sacrifices myself, right? It sacrifices my pride. Because what if she doesn't want it? What if it doesn't go well? What, the, all those things pop into my mind. Fear. But fear has, fear has no place in love. There's no, fear and love don't work together. So I'm like, Holy Spirit, just be here. Let me, let me live in love right now. She comes back, and, and I'm like, kind of like wrestling still. Like, should I say something? Should I not say something? And before I could even fight my own fight, she goes, oh, I'm walking like an old woman today. My back's killing me. And I said, well, can I just pray for you? She's like, she literally stops. She's like, well, what does that mean? What does that look like? I'm like, I just, I'm a pastor across the street. Let me just pray for you. I believe God heals. Can I just pray for you real quick? And her other coworker walks up, and she's like looking at me like, and she looks at her coworker. He said he's going to pray for my back. You, you, hey, you've got worse back problems. She really needs the prayer. Her back is terrible. And she's like, yeah, my back is terrible. i got a degenerate disc. And she starts naming all these things. I said, well, let me pray for you both. Because I'm thinking, she's not getting out of it. She's trying to get out of this. She's terrified right now. I said, I'm, I'm a pastor across the street. Let me just pray for you. She's like, well, how long is that going to take? I said, it's just a minute. Just like a, literally a minute. Let me just pray for you real quick. I know you're busy. And I asked what's their names. They, gave, they both gave me their names. And they're still, like, trying to pretend like they're working really hard, even though they're doing nothing at this moment. They're, like, holding a big pizza pan thing. It's like, let's work because this is awkward. And I'm like, let me just pray for you. So I just, like, put my stuff down. I just bow my head. And I just pray. I'm like, God, I know you love them. I thank you for her. I say their names. I thank you that you love them. You care about them. And I ask that you would just wreck their world right now by showing that you heal. That's who you are. So just heal them, please. I just thank you that you're good. And, and I just prayed r- real briefly. I said, amen. Bless you guys. And I'm like, thank you. That was, that was awesome. And I, I take my food and walk out. Now, fear made me walk out quickly. I, I wish, like, when I got back to the office, I'm like, why didn't I just sit there and ask them how they feel? Because I don't really care how busy they are, honestly. I care about their backs being whole. Like, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't need to be afraid that like, I'm holding them up. They, they're making wings. Some... Delivery's always late anyway. Like, who cares, right? I should have done that. But I still, in that moment, I had to sacrifice fear. I had to sacrifice Jesse for the sake of saying, let me put myself out here and tell you what I believe and let God's love invade your back right now. Make sense? That it's simple if we just sacrifice ourselves. Abiding in Christ means that when I get to those moments the next time, I don't let fear take hold of me and I just do it. I just say, hey, let me pray for you. I see something, let me pray for you. What if we lived at that place? What if we lived in that model? When you know that he is good, when you know that in him you're spiritual and you are eternal, when you know that your works and your abilities don't define you, but the cross does, when you know that you're not condemned, but you are a new creation and you are free from the bondage of sin, when you know that you were made to abide in him and, and in his love forever, how could you not love? When we walk out our identity, we become love. That is the goal of this Christian life, is to become love for the world. Do you guys agree with me that this morning? I want to ask one thing just because it's in my heart right now. Uh, 
This last week, it's really weird how many back issues have been brought to my attention. We've got an unusual amount of back issues in this area. The two girls across the street. Uh, I know Ralph has some serious back issues that might need surgery. John, you as well, and Robin. Robin just called and said that she might be out of church for four months because of back surgery if she has to have it. This is not right, and this is not the kingdom, right? If anybody else has back issues, I want to ask you stand up. I want to pray for you as a church. Everybody, well, first, those who have back issues, stand so we can see you. All right, so a lot of back issues. And some of you guys aren't telling me the truth right now. If you have back issues, stand up because we believe God's a healer. All right, let's, I want you to stand up as well and just stretch out your hands toward them. Like when Dan was here, we don't have to do some weird thing where everybody touches and the pastor has to do this. We just know... Let me, let me give you one more verse real quick. Can I do this? One more verse because this is good. John chapter 15, right before I read. Verse 9 is where I started, but let me get to you right before that. Verse 7, this is what Jesus says to his disciples, and we are his disciples, right? We are followers of Christ. We have given our lives to follow him. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this... My Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. When we pray for somebody, when we abide in love, we can pray for somebody knowing that he responds. And when he responds, it's not so that you and I get credit, it's so that he is glorified and we, our lives bear fruit. I want to be people who bear fruit. I want to be people who abide in his love. And so let's pray for those who have back issues this morning. We're going to do that because we know that he listens, he hears, and he responds. So Father, I thank you right now for each person who stood in faith, recognizing they have back issues. And I thank you that their eternal value, the design that you have for them, does not have back pain. So Father, right now we speak life to their backs. We, we thank you that you listen because we abide in you and you respond to us. We, you say, ask whatever we wish, and we wish, wish for back health right now. We declare back health for, for ligaments, for joints to be put back in place, the, for discs to be made right, for muscles to be realigned, to be renewed. Father, we thank you that you are our physician, and all we have to do is ask, and you heal. So God, we thank you this morning. God, I thank you for the two girls at Samarios that you are working in their back. I thank you for Ralph and for Robin that you are working in their back right now. Father, heal, we pray. In Jesus' name. As they lead us in one song of worship, I want, I want you to know that your identity, your value in him is to abide in love. To abide in sacrificial love for yourself, for others, and for him. Abide in his love. That's my prayer, that we would begin to live that out and bear fruit. Let's worship together. Amen.